Welcome to the Legion Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Legion on FX. I'm Jason. And I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this is the Legion Podcast, episode five. One of us is probably an evil parasite inside your head. <laughs> but we're shaped like a negative red-washed image of a dog, so not that scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're very kinda, cute. Kind of cute. Pretty harmless. All right. So, top three highlights for season one, episode five, creatively named chapter five. What did you guys think about it in general? I So, it's, it's another one where I feel like I've got the podcaster's curse of this is an episode where if I was watching it um, without making a podcast, I'd be like, huh, guess we'll see what happens next week. Whereas now <laughs> yeah. I'm forced to analyze every aspect of it. So, there are parts that I liked. Like, I felt like... Uh, I liked everything about the assault on District 3. Um, I thought that some of the some some of the swings, you know, when we're supposed to understand he's been taken over by whatever he's being taken over with, were the, the, the character moments were a little bit too broad and obvious and curiously affected, like, other people in this. So I'm, I'm now kind of unsure whether that's intentional or whether this was just kind of not as I, I don't know something about everyone's characterizations off like david i understand mm-hmm. but i'm not quite sure why sid was behaving the way she was and why you know melanie seemed to be a giant hypocrite and everyone just seemed to be chippier and on edge uh on the team this this episode and I wasn't sh- quite sure why that was right like when david acts out of character you can sort of write it off that well he's all over the map but then when everybody else starts doing it, you wonder if it's just, oh, is that really earned? Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, David's also possessed, you know, by the yeah. the Dwy, devil of yellow eyes. So, <laughs> you know, a lot of his, his behavior, his oddball behavior is explained by that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, right. I, I couldn't tell with Miss Bird if she was getting blinded by the, the possibility of getting Oliver back and just kind of lost track of lost the thread for a while um it seemed like maybe that was the case because she was very insensitive and i, I want to talk about this a little yeah, later but very insensitive yeah. to carrie uh but yeah I, I don't know i mean people are acting weird this episode and i i don't know exactly why what do you think in general of the episode uh i'm with aaron here it, you know it's one of those episodes where i enjoyed watching it but i feel like talking about it is going to be very uh you know haphazard and confusing and uh difficult frankly well and then the, when they end the episode with another like is this all in david's mind kind of question it's in you know there's already people on reddit saying oh i wonder if the, everything we've seen in the season has just been and i'm like no that's that, that surely no. can't be right but i also can't i can't discount it right yeah you can't discount it but what what i think is that they know we've been wondering that the whole time we've been wondering oh is this just all at the mental institution so when you end it that way it's sort of a faint in that direction but it's mm. i i think it's probably just david was freaking out because his girlfriend was about to be raped by his own inner demon and so he mm-hmm. kind of created this situation in yeah. a panic which, by the way, is kind of a regular occurrence in the Marvel Universe where somebody will freak out and all of a sudden all of reality has changed and then they make a miniseries out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> House is that of what M, we're getting here? Maybe, yeah. Who knows? There's a couple different series that, that do that. I, Fear uh, Legion. 
Yeah. I liked the Age of Apocalypse. Uh, what else? There was a couple more um, Heroes Reborn. I thought it was a pretty good episode. It, uh, it, it, I didn't feel like it needed to be long. I noticed these episodes are not all the same length, right? Some are a little longer. Does FX yeah. not need to stick to a certain episode length? That's been kind of like an FX thing for a while now. Between okay. Ryan, I think Ryan Murphy's the one that started it with Nip Tuck and American Horror. But like, you don't ever know whether you're going to get a you know nice tight forty seven minutes or an hour twenty minute sprawl or or, or what. And okay. you know, I think Noah Hawley. I've correct me if I'm wrong, Jim, but Fargo was kind of all over the map there too. I think so, yeah. I mean, nothing like super extreme, but you know, you just can't count on any given running time with them. Okay, that makes sense. Well, I thought it was cool that it, this one actually, to me, felt a little more grounded than last week, which was totally crazy. And I like that they're kind of going back and forth. Um, but David seemed a lot different, which I'm going to get into. But I like that too. I like the the variation with it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, aside from getting into some of my points, I don't know what else to say other than I thought it was pretty good and I enjoyed okay. it. All right, let's go. Who goes first? Uh, I'll go first. I mentioned it in the uh, comments at the top of the episode, but I thought everything about the D3 facility assault was awesome. Like yeah. if I'm on a budget and I can't really show mind warping reality, causality, influencing weaponry, then just seeing the aftermath and seeing, my God, these guys are like half materialized in concrete and some of them are exploded and it just looks gruesome in a very, in, in a very sterile, um, but yet messy kind of way. And then just seeing enough of David kind of traipsing through doing these weird dances and stuff where you can kind of, <laughs> you tr- can totally see that this parasite is reveling in the dis- destruction and chaos it's causing. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a really, really smart choice rather than engage in a bunch of dodgy, even, even when we see David doing that, it's always through grainy monitors and we can't mm-hmm. really tell it's just flashes of light that might've looked kind of doctor who and hokey, but I was impressed with the way they conceived, you know, this, in- this super powerful mutant being controlled by an equally powerful parasite assaulting this base. Yeah, it was really clever of them to show the aftermath and then put all the effort into just that one little bit where he's traipsing down the hall, like you said, and with the little bing, bang, boom, a flourish, kind of a villainy flourish, I thought, reducing yep. these few soldiers just to states of de- decomposition. And then you could kind of picture the rest of it in your head, what must have happened there. Yeah, they do kind of um, give the impression that the the demon here is sort of reveling in the newfound freedom of having a physical body. Um, like it, I get the impression that he was sort of confined, not necessarily trapped, but sort of confined to the uh, astral plane for a very long time because he couldn't find a body that he wouldn't just immediately rip apart <laughs> by, by inhabiting right. it. Um, yeah. and, and he couldn't find one that could, you know, project things from the astral plane into the real world. Like, like I think we see with him bringing Linny um, into the real world to meet his sister. So like I I got the impression that the demon was having a lot of fun in that moment. So are you guys under the impression then that this is the demon, this episode is showing the demon had been in the astral plane this whole time and he's finally made his way into our world. That's what we saw. 
That's my impression of it, yeah. Okay. My, no, I disagree with Jim. I think everything that happened in David's little treehouse is in the astral plane and at the hands of the demon. His treehouse? What are you talking about? It's a whatever. I mean, it's literally the house that had that weird tree in it. Oh, sure. And yeah. I think his sister said oh, that Oh, you was, mean the sister stuff? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean I everything. Think, like, I, mm. I don't think that was a real physical place because in my understanding is I don't see how... Um, Sid could man or not Sid. I always get Sid and uh, uh, Lenny confused. Lenny. I don't see how Lenny can manifest a physical body apart from David's and come well, out of a mirror and like you know it's Stranger Things. I don't see how that can happen. I, well, I don't see how he can world. take people and put them into walls either in the quote unquote real world. So, like, I don't know the extent of of David's powers here, but I assume that's one of them. Hmm. I mean, like I said, you got. Uh, I, I'm I'm seeing that he can have telepathy and uh, psychokinetic powers and tele- teleportation. But like some of this stuff I, I felt like was definitely, um, but, but the thing is, is like, seems like there's also different levels to it, like inception style. Like you've got, if, if, if this isn't in the real world, then you've got, you know, uh, some other pocket of the never, never the, the ethereal plane or the astral plane. And then you've got the white room and, uh, and but, right. but that's also consistent with what we saw last week where you've got the astral plane, which is kind of a rough and wooly place and there's there's wild areas of it. And then you can construct your fortress of solitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's memories. And right. There's I mean, all it kinds might of be that things. he can warp actual reality. Or just make people see what he wants them to see. I mean, that's, that's true. I mean, clearly he can do that because right. Sid has no powers, yet he's able to just look her in the eyes and whoop, whisk her away to his uh, white white room obonin. <laughs> yeah, I guess all we can pretty much do is name all the possibilities and then say we don't know which one is right. <laughs> yeah, right. pretty much. Yeah. Okay, uh, Jim. Um, before we move on real quick... Uh, couple of things they did show there little pieces of future tech that i thought were kind of interesting to talk about um you know carrie kind of manifest there in the sky uh, i didn't see if they had like a device that was allowing him to do that or if that was maybe it was yeah she had a bracelet on did she okay yeah. i was mm-hmm. looking down taking notes and when i looked up but boom here's we, a big carrie we'd been wondering if uh melanie had any powers and i think she's a telepath because she's speaking to people without moving her mouth and, oh you um, think that's her power I As think so. To... Yeah. That, Maybe yeah, she's just David thinking, knowing that. that he'll hear her. It could be that. But uh, I was wondering if that was sort of one of the... In X-Men, sometimes there's tech devices that are enhanced by power, so it could have been something mm-hmm. like that. Right. Yeah, the other thing um, that I found intriguing was these this bank of screens where we see David as the, the demon. Uh, they're kind of like just tarps with images on them like you can see they're they're strung to this sort of chassis with strings and they've got these big fat eye holes in them that that all the the strings are holding them on with and it's it's a weird looking piece of tech yeah it's one of those kind of matrix technology where or or like carrie's um you know mri technology it's steampunk Mm -hmm. so it's it's looks both futuristic and yet timeless right yeah, I thought it was a little like Carrie just whips up this headband and you know, oh, let's this will solve it. Just put it on him and then it'll separate him from this demon that I just found out about 5 minutes ago. 
Yeah, how right. would you develop that theory and invent a technology that well, would act upon it? Well, he scanned him, right? So he's got conceivably like yeah, this MRI type brain scan. Maybe he could do it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how. I, I wrote in my notes, I don't like how they're visualizing some of this stuff. Like when they have Carrie reviewing his... MRI imagery and just like certain discrete frames show the yellow eyed devil. Like, mm. I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I, I get if you're running a certain, like, like if the district, the, the division three facility or whatever it's called, the D three facility is running, you know, psych- psychic scans. Cause they have that technology mm-hmm. that they have that, the, all these screens are tuned to different wavelengths so they can defend against something like Jason, uh, not Jason, David, it makes sense that you could pick up the 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 yellow eyed king, or I don't know why I keep on calling yellow eyed king. Probably just true detective, goddamn yeah. true detective. Um, That's right. But I don't like can carry like can the MRI to see any spectrum it wants to, and if so, why does it flash for a couple frames and show the yellow eyed devil and mm-hmm. like that? That's the thing. Like there's, I'm starting to get my real complaining on because we are on the back half of the season, and I still don't know concrete rules on how any of this stuff works and it seems like they're resorting to because if that worked in any kind of grounded technological way carrie would be up a creek without a paddle and he have no idea how or why to whip up the the futuristic sweatband you know mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, but, I mean, but 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 and there's nothing clever that he did he's just literally reviewing tapes that he and oh what what the fuck there's three four frames of this yellow eyed devil freeze enhance like what that doesn't make any sense <laughs> All right, should I jump in here with my number? Let's let's go with three. Yeah, uh, I want to talk about Miss Bird and Oliver and kind of their um, their changing relationship here because a lot of this episode it felt to me like Miss Bird was ignoring things that were in front of her, either problems or things that she should be sensitive to in favor of thinking about, oh man, I'm going to get Oliver back. So I, I think one one particular example is the really bad timing when she brought up bringing back Oliver while Carrie, one of the Carries is lying, dying on this table. And, and the other Carrie is looking on as if he's, he's about to lose this part of him. And she's worried about bringing back this other person that she lost so long ago. Um, I felt like it was a really insensitive thing for her to do there. And then it takes Carrie, like literally explaining this entire thing. Like he appears in the sky and he explains everything about David and how he's not himself and he's been possessed by this devil. And she's just like, huh? What? Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. And she uh, said no at first. <laughs> no. Why would it be that? Can you speak up for right. the slower members of her audience? She just seems super <laughs> distracted in this episode. And I yeah. can't help but think but it's all about Oliver. It is. And I, I actually think that's a feature because I think yeah. she's, you know, she's in love with him. And this is showing another more human and maybe slightly more flawed you might say part of her character, but yeah, she's like, Oh, what he saw, uh, Oliver and there's a potential that he can actually bring him back. So she's completely distracted. It's coloring her decisions. I mean, she did always want David because he's powerful and he wants to go. uh, She wants him to help in the war, but I'm sure it would be hard in her position to distinguish between how much is that and how much is now because of what she knows about what he can do with Oliver. Well, and that's I, I thought that Melanie was a bit of a hypocrite in this episode too, because she's like, you know, don't use your astral plane powers to go save your sister. Please use your astral plane powers to go save my husband. 
Also, <laughs> am I the only one that thinks it's significant that she asks David about whether her husband mentioned her or not? And uh, we know her husband didn't, and her husband like seemed like he was like you know Austin Powers esque in his like I, I don't know that th- that whatever she feels towards Oliver, he reciprocates because hmm. he seems to be very much absorbed in what he's doing and his his jazz and his beat poems and his his free love and sex and he is like oh my god right. how's the woman how's the woman of my dreams or how's the love of my life doing like there's no and maybe he's just frozen in some moment and he can't have those th- i don't know but i think that's interesting how they're characterizing him versus how they're characterizing her feelings about mm-hmm. him that maybe the relationship isn't what she thought it was Right. 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 It could be. I mean, I was just thinking that she saved that for a thought because she was kind of embarrassed to be concerned about it and didn't want anyone else to hear. Mm-hmm. Okay. My number three, we've we've talked around it a bit, but David feeling like a villain this episode I thought was pretty cool. I See, I actually wasn't clear for sure that he was just taken over by this parasite because, uh, you know, there there are scenes that really seem like that. Like when we see on the psychic spectral video or whatever it was showing him walking down the hall, but it's the demon. So it looks like they're one and the same. And also he just has this sudden newfound confidence that just makes it seem like he's being possessed. But then on the other hand, um, we see him in the astral plane talking to Lenny at one point and they're talking about, Oh, should we bring, uh, you know, the people from Summerland to infiltrate G three? And she's like, no, just leave them alone. So it seems like in, at least in that instant that he's actually aware and present, uh, present and he's conferring with her. So then I thought maybe it was that, you know, he, when she, last episode, she kind of pushed him into the real world and he made him realize what he could do that he, he, felt like, okay, well, if I have her on my side, then I can do great things. And then later on, he was saying, uh, I can't stop her, dot, 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 me. So it felt like there were varying levels of whether or not he was actually conscious and being or being controlled. What do you guys think was the relationship between them? It's interesting because Carrie said that this guy could have been hitchhiking along in David's consciousness since he was a baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it made me think of like, you know, in Deep Space Nine, uh, you've got the Trill symbiote. Exactly. You know? And like after they've been joined together for so long, you can't really unjoin them because it's fatal for the the host because like, you know, at what point do you end and this other thing begins? And I think David has that to the extreme case. Like, you know... What is the pure? What is David's pure personality uh, outside the influence of this 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 parasite that takes so much, you know, delight in in killing and and rape um, and destruction? Um, and I do think that some of this darkness is is inherent to David and in, in himself. But um, you know, I don't I don't know because obviously, like David wants to be close to Sid. But it's interesting because, like, I thought that Sid was very un- uncertain about how he took her to this room and how the setup. And just as she starts to relax and enjoy the moment, and we're like, okay, well, this is you know, this is going to be David psychically raping her. Then they they scroll over and you see these beetles, you know, loudly chewing on these strawberries, and let you know, mm-hmm. nope, this is still kind of on some level fucked up, and right. there's something <laughs> tainting 
there's something tainting the purity of this moment. So I do feel mm-hmm. like that some of that duality is baked in, and it's a fair question to ask where does David end and where does the parasite begin, and how would you even say that for something, you know, that that's been gro- you know these things have been growing inside each other and entwined with each other since David was born for thirty years, as I said. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can just simply say and that now this parasite has full control over David's body. I don't, I I, I don't think so. So I I thought they were trying to get at, at um, a parallel here with the moment after that kind of, after they've, uh, after David and Sid have mind banged and they're laying in bed and then Sid tells him about the first time that she had sex uh, which was with her mother's boyfriend. She swaps bodies with her mom, and she goes in and bangs him. And things go horribly, uh, darkly, comically wrong. Um, I thought they were paralleling what the devil with yellow eyes here is doing to her, because he has mm, essentially usurped David's right. body, and he is taking her into this mind prison and banging her. <laughs> yeah, that just literally happened to her, potentially. Right. And and also when they swapped bodies and psyches, are we not certain that there's not a little bit of the parasite that has is is tainted her as well and then by the or way Or at least like gets her her memories and would sure. know about that event and might use yeah. that as mm-hmm. you know the setup for what he's going to do. And I'll, and also like to that same extent since since these people at the Summerland have been so psychically promiscuous as you would say how can you eliminate the idea that the this this parasite is is infected all of them mm-hmm. to some and that's one of the re- ways he's able to kind of bring them all into his reality cuz he's he's had access to all of them except for maybe except for maybe the guy who can throw stuff around with his mind but then yeah. it seems like he's possessed by the the, yeah, the eyeball by guy the eyeball guy what's that doesn't even seem that but he goes into the house at the end too so like and I'm not also convinced that the eyeball is not um, affiliated with the parasites because I thought, you know, it's, it's interesting. We we, mm-hmm. we saw that he uses literal kind of worms or parasites or leeches as part of his interrogation. And that's kind of thematically tied to a parasite. But the first thing he did when he got into uh, near David was try to machine gun him. So that to me is is uh, mm. evidence that he's not affiliated. Okay. Fair, uh, fair it's enough. evidence, but you never know what what the, but I you know I talking about like who's infected. I thought it was interesting that um Sydney can see video, uh, you know, all this destruction and body parts and everything and then video of him disintegrating these guys. I guess that's the enemy, so maybe she's just okay with it, but it would seem like it might be just a little bit alarming to see the extent of you know how much devastation he can wreak like what if you like aaron what if you saw a video of, of cecily disintegrating guys what would you what would you feel about that <laughs> she's fully capable of that behavior uh i'm under no illusion uh but also i guess you know i, I don't think that she they portrayed her as unmoved by that but then the very next thing is you know giant head in the sky says well there's a parasite and he's probably blaming i feel like that you would okay. jump on that as a way to excuse right. that in fact the jim and i are kind of having this debate about whether sid's behavior towards melanie was uncharacteristic after you know they had gone to the white room and had been intimate um mm-hmm. and i'm like i don't know because they've sold me on this fact that these people f- 
are kind of maladjusted and they don't have great ideas of what a normal, healthy relationship is. And they've clung to each other like this raft and they fell very quickly in love. And now you've mm-hmm. added sex to the mix. So I can, you know, what she said is like, hey, this guy, he's not my teammate and he's not a resource. He's my man. And what he wants and what we want are important to me. Like, I thought that was a pretty good shutdown to, to Melanie because on the other and, and also I felt like Melanie was being uncharacteristically uh, kind of hypocritical and manipulative in this episode uh, as well. So she kind of was vulnerable to that accusation. But I didn't think I guess I didn't think she was just like hand waving. Oh, yeah, my boyfriend explodes guys now. I guess that's just what things he does. She was. She was disturbed by it, but then mollified when we found out, oh, it's not David. It's probably this evil thing that's attached. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, the whole series, Melanie, to me, has seemed a little bit manipulative because she's acting like she wants to help, but really she wants to use this guy. That's very, very fair point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Aaron, number two. I want to talk about, so the second thing I really enjoyed is the Carrie's developments because I feel like we're getting, uh, the one thing they are starting to lay down tracks and set up rules is uh, for the way that they kind of behave and feel towards each other. I really enjoy that they outline, it's not so, it's not simple like, um, you know, they, they can't just instantly heal each other when they reabsorb, they shut that down and that it costs him, there's a physical cost to him when he reabsorbs her. Um, and that, you know, I really bought the emotion of how scared they both were when, you know, they came that close to losing each other. Mm-hmm. And I also liked the fact that they showed him, this is something I wasn't clear on, but when she's inside him, he can still have like inner monologues and debates with her. Uh, so the thing I wasn't too sure about is when she split back off of him later on, uh, she's completely healed. Yeah, And I'm like, the way I would ex- imagine an absorption of a human being is like, um, you would kind of have the damage. So like, you know, what he would absorb and he would have like, and I thought that effect was really well done. In fact, I rewound it and watched it a couple of times because <laughs> I wanted to see uh, exactly how they're showing it. And it's almost like the injuries were kind of slowly bleeding onto his face rather than just like instantly. Um, but I, I thought it was, I thought he would like get, you know, be half as damaged as she was, and then when she split out, she'd be half as damaged as as he he. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it, turns, it, it seems like he just takes on all the boo boos, and she comes out fresh <laughs> and new. And I don't. Right. That doesn't seem to make any mutant logic. It's sense. also not great strategy. I mean, he's got an old body. Right. I would yeah. think that she would be much more resilient to to injury than he would. Right. It feels to me like he's the responsible parent who makes the sacrifices, and she's just yeah. I'm telling you, man. Go off and <laughs> but the, the, every every reveal makes her out to be more and more like the parasitic sa- couch surfing yeah, douchebag, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's the way. It, yeah, I totally noticed that, and I think it was very intentional that he had to make the choice to bring her in and take on uh, all those injuries for her, and then she was fresh as Daisy after that. She's just out there like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day, just eating cake after cake <laughs> right? after cake. Getting she comes rats. back, oh, can you take my diabetes for me, right. old man? Yeah. I've got these love handles. Can you do something <laughs> with them? Right. Uh, yeah, that would be... Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, it, it's kind of a bad portent for their future because... Mm-hmm. You know, I would think that would that would, that would age you in dog years. <laughs> right. Taking, taking these, absorbing these ass beatings and whatnot. The one and thing I kind of... You know, I'm super... Uh, 
uh, lenient or whatever, flexible, whatever, with all these mutant powers, even Potonomies going into the memories of objects. I was, I guess, okay with, but when, uh, Carrie jumps out with like this Negan bat, I thought that was a little bit extreme. Uh, with the Didn't nails that just in kind it? of appear. Yeah. Yeah. Like is his body, a doctor who phone booth that she can, <laughs> can she get a M1 Abrams tank out of that? Like what's the limits? <laughs> She certainly wasn't carrying that when we saw her absorb, you know, into him. Yeah. I want to see that, though, her coming out in a tank next season. <laughs> yeah, I bet that would feel like such a satisfying dump, you know, just to have all, just to have all, just all that leave in your body. <laughs> okay, Jim. Let's talk real quick about Patonomy. I feel like he continues to be by far the most prudent character in this show. Uh, he's always the guy to call bullshit on crazy plans, and mm-hmm. they have one of the craziest here, which is to go right into the belly of the beast to follow David on his unknown journey here. Like, they have no idea what he's up to, right? He's mm-hmm. He's been shown to be sketchy and flighty. He might have run off. He might have gone to D3. They don't know. They're just going to rush in without a plan. If Autonomy's there to call bullshit, unfortunately, they don't listen to him. Right, and, and I, I, like, I am on Patanami's side a hundred percent in this show. And then they have kind of a heavy hitter. That guy can throw stuff, and that seems pretty powerful. And Tanami's got the Tommy like gun. It. But yeah, then they got a person that can switch bodies, and another woman mm-hmm. whose powers are administrative, <laughs> right? <It's> clerical <laughs> yeah. powers. I mean, she's she's uh she's got leadership. So, I mean, she, maybe she's a psychic. Okay. I don't know, but like. It, it seems like whenever they're going into harm's way, it's like, oh, let the girl who has to touch someone to absorb whatever, let's let her go and take the hail of bullets. And I, don't, that, I thought that was weird. Um, and also the other thing about that assault is when, you know, Melanie's prepping for it. She's like, wake, wake the facility. We're going in, you know, it's like red alert. We're going into battle. Mm-hmm. And then apparently everyone is just the dude that can throw stuff with his mind. Yeah. Like that's it. He's that's the rest. That's the bench. They you know, know. I, I was actually kind of excited because I'm like, oh, man, it's going to be cool to see like a small platoon and who knows what weird powers they'll have. And I don't need them to fully explain it, but it would be nice to add a little bit more color to the series, right? That you'll get mm-hmm. to see. And maybe they can fill out these characters later. Like, let's let's form an actual an away team. And who are going to be the red shirts? Well, there were no red shirts. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's interesting when you start watching a TV show, at least for me, I don't really get a full sense of the cast for a while they're around, but, um, but now I feel like, you know, I have a pretty good sense of all of the people from Summerland that we've seen. Although are there, didn't they look back and see some more people hanging out that we haven't met yet or not? I, I, I know recall. for a fact we've seen people in the showers that we've never seen before okay, and like hang, okay. hanging out right. in the various breakfast nooks that we've not seen in before. Like I would not be surprised that there'd be 20, 30 people milling around this facility. And then anytime like I, you know, when you show at the larger campus, but none of those people are battle ready, I guess. Right. The Yeah, you're totally right. The mercenary squad should not have the administrative people on it. But maybe they're just they they don't have enough people and they're desperate. I guess they train them or all if, in combat. If, or if she comes, if she comes, like wear a bulletproof vest and have a gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they tell him he's got the gun, but he's still dressed like some dude from Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels or <laughs> or Snatch. Like he needs to like put a vest on him. <laughs> okay, so n- number two, there was more humanizing of superpowers in this episode, and uh, I really liked the story of 
Sid sleeping with her mom's boyfriend because it started out kind of like a regular story, and then you find out that she switched uh, bodies. And uh, it can you imagine like, yeah. that scene? Yeah, I mean, I. <laughs> I feel like we're downplaying the kind of fucked up scale of yeah. this. That, like, yeah. if you just, if this was, and that's the thing, like, I mean, I don't want to cut you off your main point, so maybe no, I should let you develop it. a bit no, more. No, go for it. Oh, so I was thinking as in this, she goes, oh, it's, you're not my first, it was my dad, you know, my, my mom's boyfriend. I'm like, oh, my God, there's this, like, really, you know, this child predator, like, she got, mole-. and then it turns out that she jacked her mom's body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I don't think the boyfriend, he gets in the shower and she gets in the shower. Like, who's going to turn that down? And then it turns into her daughter in the middle of it. Like, right. it suddenly kind of right. makes him out to be the victim. And like, oh, yeah. how yeah. terrible that whole situation and how do you walk away? I mean, that's 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 a that's everybody that's, was there's screaming. A, there's a reason Sid ended up into the clockworks facility, right? right? She wasn't exactly healthy and all there and making good decisions about no. herself and her powers to begin with so um but it, i th- i didn't think it was too far out of the realm of possibility to have this girl who has a crush on her mom's boyfriend and has that power to do it you know when they're all drunk and out of commission but what i was a little confused because she said to david and then my mom was there but the way that we so that made it sound to me as if uh her mom's mind came back to her body, but it should have been the way you guys said, where suddenly it was Sid's body there. Either way. I think yeah. she meant just like they were screaming and then my mom okay. came in and right, she was right. screaming. Like, you know, it's like, it's this big clusterfuck. Not right, far apart right. in the exp- expression. Yeah. Um, and to get a little more, I guess, niggling about this whole thing, I really think anytime there's like a body switching thing, especially when something really intimate is involved. I feel like if you go into someone else's body and you have your brain and your mannerisms and everything, your mind anyway, that you will move and act and talk so differently that they would know that it wasn't the same person or, um, recognize that or people who know you would think something was really weird with you. Yeah, I mean, I think they lampshade that a little bit by making a drunk shower sex. So I guess you're right. Yeah, you're, that that's already kind of like you got the lowered inhibitions and and perception, and then it's a unusual sensory. Like, as I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I don't. I, I it's not my usual place to have sex to shower. Uh, I'm not saying it's never going to happen, but I, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert and I know exactly how people react when they Behave. do that in showers. Mostly like <laughs> I, I do it just enough to be like, now, how does this work? OK, you put there and I guess oh, wait, don't want to slip uh, is the you know, the showers getting kind of cold now. Like, so I haven't. That's the thing. I like I'm not to take, I'm not a, I'm not an expert at it. <laughs> I, I like to take very hot showers. So the bathroom will get a little steamy. And yeah, there you might you not got, be able to see through the steam. You got some camouflage, natural camouflage yeah, right. going. Yeah, when someone has an English accent suddenly in the shower. It just seems <laughs> normal <laughs> to me. Um, and then the other one was all the Carrie Carrie stuff, which I won't go too much into. But I really did love that scene where he he said, "Okay, are you ready?" And she said, "Yeah," or whatever. And then he, you know, dropped into her. A lot of the visuals yeah. with those two is really cool. So that was kind of a touching scene. Totally. And then I liked when uh, David in his luxury suite in the astral plane was talking about what's real and what's not. And he just said, they're signals. That's all what you see, what you hear impulses sent from nerve endings, electricity in the brain, real fake. It's all the same. Second um, week in a row, they're Morpheus. And 
Yeah. yeah. And, and then later he's singing rainbows are illusions, nothing but vision. So I thought that sort of, uh, aligned with whether Sid should actually believe anything about his, her relationship with him, at least right now when he's being heavily influenced at the least mm-hmm. by this parasite, it's all, is it just going through the motions because he, she's trying to see him the way she really wants him to be, or is it actually real? Uh, I want to talk about this uh, rainbow connection scene because I thought it was pretty amazing to have Dan Stevens there playing the banjo, which I read that he actually learned in 10 play 10 days enough to play that convincingly. I could tell he was actually playing. I did. too. I I assumed Mm -hmm. he played guitar or something. Yeah. Um, but I thought he, that was really great. And of course, you know, you got, it's uh, that harkens back to the, uh, Kermit, the frog Muppet movie, uh, and like this, this very sweet, innocent, hopeful song, and it's being used here. Like I described it as um, like David's whist- whistling past the graveyard. Like he's trying desperately to ignore what is growing, the growing thought in his mind that he's under control by this this evil entity that's lurking in the bathroom. And I liked how he played it as she got closer to the bathroom. He kind of got more, more desperate frantic. or, fr- or yeah. frantic or like more afraid of like you know like like this 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 song and dance isn't isn't going to cut it uh <laughs> then you know that leads into the yellow eyed demon who i've always wondered if you got him in good lighting would this all ha- hold up and i actually thought he was significantly more horrifying and scary lit like this just relentlessly chasing around this this uh, psychic bedroom than he than he has <laughs> been just you know kind of goofily cl- trying to climb through Vince and and I actually thought unlike the damn fucking giant paper mache head that just looks terrible in all lighting conditions and needs to fucking die already. Hopefully, I was hoping he'd get wet. That paper mache head would get wet in the bathroom and he just never recover. <laughs> but but I thought the yellow eyed devil looked looked really good and that was a great um, mm. kind of and and the way they they took that pure white set and with, through blue and red lighting. Uh, just completely changed its its obviously temperature and its tone. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll say what you will about Noah Hawley, but man, the guy's got a good eye for not just that, but to shot composition. How unusual! It's, it's very Mister Robot. How he pushes the subjects off to the extreme left and right uh, of the screens, and you know, isolates them visually and structurally, and and just like in Mister Robot, that it, that makes it feel otherworldly and also isolating, so you can kind of feel the isolation of like what it's like to be David or what it's like to be Sid. Um, I, yeah, but, but uh, yeah, like that rainbow connection banjo could have been goofy as hell and end up being my favorite moment of the the episode. Mm -hmm. When I see that demon, I often think about Kevin from the office. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It doesn't really take away from it. It's still, I still think he's pretty creepy. Right. I agree with yeah. you. Yeah, he. They did a good job of having him in the light of day still look as creepy, and I thought maybe they had some like CG touch ups in there, but it still looked really good. I they did something because like just the way his neck and head kind of fits together, and how gelatinous but solid it looked, mm-hmm. like that was really good to make up practical effects and maybe digitally trick it, trigger it in there too. Sometimes the um, the juxtaposition of those you know safe spaces with the monster coming into them it's it's something that like uh you know in not in the conjuring what's the what's the movie we just insidious series insidious, yeah that uh james wan uses a lot where you know you you feel like you're in this safe space because it's bright and it's sunny it's familiar There's bird singing right and then 
suddenly the monster intrudes on it, and I think that's pretty effective because it shows you that there is no real safe space here. Yeah. Um, I think that's what they were kind of going for. The only safe space is in Oliver's ice cube. Yeah, seems <laughs> like it. I thought, um, what's the movie where they have the camera in the bedroom all night to try and catch Paranormal the activity. Yeah, yeah, that did a good job of that in the daytime. It still felt really scary. Mm-hmm. Demons everywhere. Okay, I think we're at Jim, right? Yeah, my number one. Uh, I want to talk about David's potential real past here um, as a child because we, if you take his sister at face value here, we learn that David was adopted. And it got me thinking about this angriest boy thing and, and the potential of why he was adopted, uh, maybe how he got put up for adoption. And I'm wondering if we can conclude that he probably either accidentally or intentionally based um, like with the influence of the demon uh, killed his, his bio parents, I'll call them mm-hmm. biological mm-hmm. parents. Uh, and that maybe that's how he ended up for um, being put up for adoption. I had not that thought because, but I also thought it was weird the way they were framing and filming Sid as this explanation about them being adopt, you know, him being adopted. And of course I don't know anything about her father yet. The way they were framed, I got the clear thought that like, oh my God, they're not going to reveal that they're brother and sister, are they? <laughs> oh God. Am I, the only one, am I the only one that got that, that, that little bit of a... Yeah, I remember you I saying that. I was like, that, mm. and okay, I so there you go. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, li- I would not like that. I, you too, know, I too like much Game of Thrones stuff. over here. Yeah, but the, I mean, the thing that we know the least about at this point, I feel, is this angriest boy thing. Yeah, um, and that's kind of you right. know why I went that direction is because it's got to be. We know that it's a some kind of manifestation of the demon, right? Um, along with King, along with Lenny and Benny, yeah, like all of those people were the demon essentially. Mm-hmm. Um. And I just wonder, you know, what were the circumstances behind his adoption? Uh, this this might be tied together somehow. It also, does seem like that's the simplest explanation because the book talks about the kid killing his mother. Right. Yeah. But then again, you know, the simplest explanation might not be the right one in this show. Right. So yeah. Right. The other yeah. thing is like this is an instance where Aaron gets to be a downer. Um, oh, but I was boy. thinking when they're talking about him being adopted, it's like, you know. There's not a whole lot of adopt. There's not enough adoption going on in the world. There's very, very many more kids that that need homes, and there are people willing to provide them. And sometimes I, when you see like this trope of like the orphan being like you know this bad seed or this you know he's possessed by a psychic devil in this case, like this, um, I get it. Like there's a lot. There's definitely a lot of pathos to mine in that those kinds of relationships. But sometimes I cringe a little bit and think, oh god, to the extent that this is putting negative vibes into the universe for people wanting to adopt children. Like it makes me a little uncomfortable. You just got to weed out the ones with demons in them. Yeah, that's it. You that's, just have to have, you just right. got to have a demon detector and those kids get shoved in a furnace, I guess. But yes. <laughs> well, yeah. Or, you know, so you can put down on the application that that's all right. Right. Yeah. Pro demon. Yeah. This is uh, we're pro demon. We're pro demon household in this, <laughs> right. uh, in this home. Okay. Number one. So I think, there's a lot of push pull going on with this show. It goes to one extreme and then the other it plays with our, our hopes and our expectations. And one sequence that had that for me was the opening sequence with David and Sid, where he's pulling her into this uh, astral realm and showing her that they can actually finally touch. 
And at first, you know, he says, I know what I am. I'm the magic man. And then they're in this white room and she looks really freaked out at first. And it looks, it's like oh, something bad, something scary. But then she looks intrigued. Like she's uh, considering the idea of trusting him. And so are we, because he's acting a little weird. He's more confident than normal. And we don't know yet that, uh, that he might be possessed. And so it's scary and exciting at the same time. And then he kisses her lightly and she steps away and she looks to me like maybe she's going to fall back on her neurosis of not wanting to be too close to somebody. So that's right. back in that direction. But then really, I think she was just trying to let it all sink in. And then she seems to love it and she's smiling and they're holding hands and kissing. And so we're good again. And then you see the bugs and the strawberries and it's like, oh, something is bad and something's rotten. And so I, I just like that back and forth, especially with this show where we don't really know what's what because we want it to be a certain way and they tease us with it being that way, but maybe not, you know, and uh, then later on we find out that he was, he's either maybe possessed or at least influenced by this demon. And so that whole scene retroactively, it, it seemed really romantic in the moment, uh, especially later when they finally had sex. Uh, which even that was like at first she's screaming like she's being killed and then you find out it's actually sex. So there's Not a petite there. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I don't uh, know. I also, just I, I like that. I like all that stuff. Equal opportunity asses. Like I like seeing that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They turn and, and, and and also a better way than the uh you know like the it's it's always um the the woman's under the sheet right and she gets up and it's like oh I can't let my boobs be because like, that's how people right. act when they're around each other right but that's a good way just show them all flipped over on their butt or on on their yeah. uh, naughty bits and have their have their butts hanging out also CGI enhanced probably CGI enhanced <laughs> just kidding that that Dan Stevens ass all natural let me tell you. <laughs> And just in general, the tumultuous of, of the series, the tumultuousness of the series and this calm place that he built for himself, I thought was striking in the beginning of this episode. We keep going back and forth between grounded and crazy. And then even on a broader scale, I would say the episode before the last was more grounded than last week was crazy. And this week, I, I don't know if you guys agree, but I thought it was a bit more straightforward, a little bit more straightforward. A bit. But there was, still, they, yeah. there was still there pretty, was still there was still pretty crazy of, yeah. crazy stuff happening. All right, so that's our three points. Is there anything else like random points? I actually do have a to? lot of random points. I don't know if Let's you guys did, but I want to yeah. shout out the fact that Sid's wearing yet another ring motif dress as they go to, I guess, assist David or, or mop up the the D three installation. Uh, the hem of her dress is these perfect the circles. Uh, much like the chain that David cl climbed to get to uh, uh, Oliver last episode and like his ex-girlfriend's earrings and hair barrettes. And uh, also, I think uh, there's also um, uh, Carrie's, the female Carrie's uh, belt she was wearing, had the circle motif. So that, that continues to be, you know, and I'm not sure if it's something like the X's. You're seeing X's everywhere, the, the X-Men. Yeah. I'm not sure what the circles, like some people are, I've set, seen on the internet are suggesting that it's supposed to be uh emblematic of like the dna like just to kind of reinforce a mutation Spiral. theme that these these are these are like the you know, these double helix which i know that these circles are not literally a double helix but it's certainly how they're sometimes prop properly prop popularly popularly portrayed um also can we get a temperature of how we think aubrey plaza is doing really Be good because i can't yeah. 
I'm not sure whether she is being effective or she's too much or she's mm-hmm. awesome or like it like I'm I, I, I haven't quite calibrated my plaza scale yet as far as how plausible it's, I find her performance. <laughs> it's hard for me to tell because I don't understand her. I don't know if right. she was even a real person or what, you know? So if I can't really tell where she's coming from, then um, it's hard to judge her portrayal. It does seem pretty uh, dr- melodramatic, not melodramatic, but... I don't know. It, it's kind of like it, I'm at this like in the first in the first little bit of like Leon the professional where Gary Oldman is just chewing the scenery as this coked up cop and you're like the fuck is this and you've since you kind of relax and enjoy it or in Boondock Saints Willem Dafoe mm-hmm. as a crime scene investigator you're like again what is this a real but then it's like okay everyone decides whether they're going to go with it or not I'm still in that like with it's like okay you're playing this uh, psychic demon possessor parasite thing. <laughs> what the hell is that supposed to look like as right. inhabited mm-hmm. inhabited by this kind of like dark waif character? I don't and, know. I and don't know. she, I mean, to begin with, when before she died, uh, she was a pretty weird character to start. You know, wait, wait, I wait. Mean, I want to. Rege- I don't know that she's this dead. was ever a yeah. real character. Oh, I think it is. I mean, I think the demon with yellow eyes. I mean, she's interacted with other people, right? So was um, the, the dog same way a real that character? Benny did. Um, the dog may or may not have been a real character. We. It's tough to say because, like, his, you know, when did he get adopted? Mm-hmm. When was the the dog around or not around? I, I don't, we don't know enough about his past yet. But I'm, I think the one thing that's clear is that Benny was a real person. Benny was a real person. I absolutely agree. And I think Lenny is some kind of funhouse mental projection of that. Well, the best theory I've heard on this is that the demon with yellow eyes is adapting to the memories that, the, it's the best way to hide in he, place. He's kind of hiding, right? He's kind of yeah. hiding within the memories that uh, David already has. So, like, he doesn't make up these things whole cloth necessarily, but he will inhabit the personality of a Benny or a Lenny and mm-hmm. kind of move into but, the darker but, places. But, of but Lenny even and rewrite Benny, things. Lenny and right. Benny can't both literally be this be living Why? characters. Why? I mean, come on. Benny could be someone that he knew before he went into the asylum. Right. If I yeah. and then if Lenny I, is I, someone he knew when he, he met when he got there. They have the same name and the same mannerisms and the mem- I don't know. It'd be like if I yeah. met a female named Bim who just happened to be a massive Star Trek nerd and it was a podcast. I would I don't know. I <laughs> if suspect you're, if, foul, foul if your play. name is Bim and you're a female <laughs> and you're a huge Star Trek nerd, please yeah, please write in and let us know. <laughs> this will, this will clear it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This hypothetical. Um <laughs> Also, so going along with this, it's like I'm also not sure how I like how they're visualizing some of this stuff. For example, I was kind of disappointed when they revealed that who's the the door flinging uh, the telekinetic. I don't, I don't know, his, know name. his name. I thought yeah. I think I I think he does have a name like Rudy or something I would hope like so. that. Um, let's say Rudy. Let's go with Rudy. Uh, I don't <laughs> like how they did the they're doing these three and four second or three or four frame flashes that he's the you know got the got the head of the one-eyed guy or the eyeball Mm -hmm. uh like i think it would be cooler for us to for because then when he bursts into the machine gun we think you know we clearly are being led to believe think things where i think it'd be a neater idea if he just bulged into the machine gun and we weren't sure that he had swapped or that he was possessed or whatever like i I, I kind of I kind of feel like that that would have been better as a reveal after the fact and like i don't understand why it it feels like 
no, and maybe this is part of the plot I just don't understand, and this is why I'm overreaching as a podcaster, but Neil, Noah Hawley plays with his cards so close to his vest normally. Why is he showing us these cards? And if it's mm-hmm. a technique and manipulative, then I'm not sure how I like that. But I, I definitely was like, I felt like there's multiple instances this episode where they were showing us things that I don't feel were earned, like by me as a viewer in Discovery or by like Carrie, the scientist and his his investigations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my final thing I want to talk about is what do we think about when the episode just went full on Buffy that no one could hear each other talk and that like, was cool. Mm-hmm. Was it? Yeah, I thought it was really suspenseful. Hmm. Okay. What I enjoyed about it was I hadn't seen it before, as far as I remember, and I liked that it went on for a long time, and you could hear a little bit of like wind blowing or something, and then they introduced some mood music, and just the way they did it was artfully done, I thought. I didn't really understand why, I guess, uh, David slash Parasite, just wanted to make it harder for the team to be effective and communicate. It didn't seem that's, I guess that's my biggest problem is it didn't have any real practical payoff to the plot. I knew that as soon as they dropped the sound, then it was going, and I I love the sound design in the show. I think it's superior, but it was Mm -hmm. going to then come back in some startling jump scare moment, which then robbed that of any of its like suspense. Um, And like I said, it it, it ended up being just a big, it didn't, I I felt like it added nothing to the actual situation and plot. Therefore, it was a flourish just for the sake of a flourish, which I don't know. I'm I'm totally cool with that. I thought it added a lot of tension to that scene. Yeah. Um, You know, the, the, I mean, taking away someone's communication in a situation where it's very important to communicate adds a a lot of complication on their plan and they didn't even have a plan going in. But so. that, that that led to zero payoff. There was no instance where if only someone could talk, something would have been avoided or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I, I mean, it certainly added to the atmosphere for me. All right. Let's try that. it now. Everybody hit mute. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I kind of see your point, Aaron, um, and it would have been better if uh, they had some kind of a payoff, but I thought it was really effective in the moment anyway. All right. Was, well, it had to be switched on, you know. That was the last of my, my points. My only point, because we've covered just about everything else, I'm wondering why didn't Sid or Patonomy let the psychologist, Dr. Kissinger, go when they found him locked up? Oh, yeah. I forgot to talk about that. I yeah he was okay. acting super strange like yeah. everybody else in this episode yeah he, was. he started twisting his mustache and saying let me out let me out right you like you like I I said when Bitch. we were watching it's like he is acting like Jack Nicholson trying to barely maintain in late stage The Shining <laughs> right like like if you want to get right. let out and if you're like either a malevolent entity wanting to get let out or you're like like. What you should do is just play like, oh my god, I've been locked up here for days. Thank God, this you came to create like C three PO it up. Yeah, you know, like, like you really should let me out, <laughs> right? Like he's just was so effing creepy. Like I wouldn't have let him yeah. out of that case either, especially when <laughs> like now. I guess the real question is, what the hell is going on? I, was it the eye? Was the eye somehow possessing him at that moment? Well, if so, then we don't how did see he get the out? eye around? No. Yeah, we. I don't know. I don't know what the eyes powers are exactly, but it was really weird. He was acting. There's a listener email that talks about that a little bit. That's pretty interesting. Any other points, Jim? No, I'm good. All right. That's good. Let's call it and get into listener feedback. I edited a couple of these 
They're pretty long still, but for brevity and, and clarity. I'll go first. Laura Willie Sweet says, what? What? No, that was the end. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a real cliffhanger. We didn't talk about that at all. We didn't really talk about it, did we? Well, No, um, we skipped it. So, I'm actually so, much more uh, interested for next episode than I was for this episode yeah, because I am yeah. I am down for an episode where they just clearly say this is a mental game between the parasite and all of our heroes and maybe an antagonist in there too and it's going to be this kind of like them trying to figure it out or maybe trying to defeat them with some kind of rhetorical thing like I, I don't know but I'm I'm kind of in I'm 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 genuinely excited for what they can do with uh mm-hmm. the, by slowing it down and making it more talky. It's cool. It felt like a Wizard of Oz moment, you know, all the characters recast into different parts. Uh Mofavo says the silence was scarier and creepier than the quote unquote king slash dog slash not dog reveal of last week. I I didn't think yeah, the dog the dog not dog reveal was not creepy. Also this dog's not creepy. I don't care how many negative filters and, and, <laughs> right. and red you add to it. Like you're not gonna make this beagle look I don't yeah. know how much how much drool's coming out of his snout. Well, it could be like if he just maybe... wanna scratch his behind his little ears. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean if he had blazing red eyes, I don't think it'd be creepy. I don't know what you'd have to do <laughs> to morph this dog into something creepy. Hmm. Take off all his legs and have them sticking out of his ears. There you go. Or shave him like a, like a completely denuded dog. Yeah, that'd probably be pretty him. creepy. Ooh, skin. That, that'd be creepy. <laughs> like Zombie pet dog. cemetery style dogs. Mm, yep. There you go. Uh, Rima Joe. Rima Joe. Sorry. Uh, says it was really beautiful in the beginning of the episode when David took Sid to the white room so they could be together without worry of touching. If I can't have teleportation as a superpower, can I have this one? I know I I know how I'd make use of it. Uh, I really like how they are playing the passion between these two characters in the show, a true romance of the mind. M- Mr. Rogers would say you do have that power. It's called your imagination. Yeah. Now, you can't bring anyone into that room with you, but you oh. can always go to your happy place, Rima. You can. If you're a good enough storyteller, you can, uh-huh. you can put them in Just, the same place with you. That's right. Then you use, yeah, there you go. You already have telepathy. It's called spoken, spoken word. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I can beam my thoughts into your ears. Over vast distances, as it turns out. (laughs) That's sexy. (laughs) Okay. Joe N says, in the very first Legion podcast, quote, the other dude, that's me. I think that's you, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And the evil parasite. Made an off comment in regards to Sid Barrett from Pink Floyd taking too much acid and got schizophrenic as a result. Psychedelics don't cause people to go crazy. Schizophrenia is a mental illness that usually begins to really show itself in a person's late teens slash early twenties. It just so happens that people also tend to use drugs around those ages as well. If you just decided to start eating LSD in your late thirties, unless you already have full blown schizophrenia, again, it's not just something that begins that late in life. There isn't enough acid in the world to make you ever think you're a permanent proverbial glass of orange juice. Again, more bullshit. The idea of drugs making people go crazy just fits really well in anti-drug propaganda. And that's why the lie has stuck. So, uh, if, yeah, I don't think that either. I actually don't think that LSD can make anybody go crazy. And if I said that or implied that I totally didn't mean it. I do believe, and I think it's backed up by, uh, evidence that LSD can trigger latent 
schizophrenia or it can mutant powers. exacerbate uh, nah, maybe <laughs> but it can <laughs> exacerbate symptoms of schizophrenia in people who who already have it so it can make it worse or bring it on if if, if it's already dormant in you but i don't think it can cause you to go crazy so sorry if i yeah. made, if i uh, misstated that but that's the thing it's like i i don't like i'm um I'm pro all drug legalization, but I also think that some of these drugs are to be more respected than others. And, you know, if yeah. you're a young 20 something or late teenager and you're going to have uh, some sort of psychosis, and you don't know it yet. Like, boy, I wouldn't want to start that off with the, the massive right. dose of LSD. Uh, right. <laughs> it's a damn shame. Damn shame that those things are uh, you can't you can't do any research or have any kind of medical opinions on them because, uh, you know, I, I, I think it uh, it. It certainly, certainly, the wrong people using them can 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 cause problems. I think that's not controversial, even amongst right. people who are pro psychedelic. It's all about setting. The best, setting. yeah. Part of that's your own brain. Best you can do is find somebody who's experienced and have them around that you trust. And have them around when you try it the first time. Ask your doctor if LSD is right for you. <laughs> except for you can't. <laughs> you can ask. They would have to say no. <laughs> um, Joe, Jose, Jose, Jose Jimenez. Oh, oh, this is my Waterloo. Jose Jimenez? I think so. All right. I would. Uh, I thought I would share my own thoughts regarding everyone's powers because I think they're actually doing a good job defining them. It seems like they all have some sort of mental power, but they also are all broken in some kind of way. Number one, the eye. I think he's a psychic of some sort. He didn't morph into the doctor. He made them think they were seeing the same doctor instead of him. Jean Grey, a.k.a. Sansa Stark, did something similar in the last movie where she made the military not see the X-Men where Xavier's school blew, blew up. Him being psychic also explains why he may have uh, sort of seen David in the previous episode. Uh, stop me if you guys want to discuss any of these things in detail. I think uh, I, just that one, I think that's an interesting possibility that he's just causing people to see him the way that he wants them to see him. I think that's a possibility from what we've seen so far. But that's the thing. Like I take, I guess I take ep, uh, exception to Joe's or God dang Jose um, saying that he's like, you can't, they're either doing a good know. job of defining their powers or you have theories about how they work. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have theories about, well, I mean, that's uh, you don't have general ideas about how things work if you have a solid understanding of them. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. But, uh, so I'm saying, yeah, interesting possibility, but by no means is it concrete because you could still have right. weird magic leech powers that we don't understand. Uh, autonomy, <laughs> uh, while objects having their own memory is a bit of a stretch, his power seems straightforward. He's able to go into someone's memory and create a picture that he can then project into other people's minds. The power just seems a bit problematic when dealing with the mind of someone who's mentally ill and also a psychic. And it, when, once you try to mind meld with a psychotic typewriter, you are in for the fight <laughs> of your life, man. It's going to hit. It's going to shift. Yeah. It's going to caps lock, and you are just you, you just can't pages and pages of all work and no play. Yeah. Make tonomy yeah, a dull, dull boy. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! Letters. You're going. You're going. You're going. You're going off ASCII. Yeah, oh you my might God. get right to left characters. It's <laughs> yeah. Uh, three Sid also pretty straightforward. You touch your skin, you switch minds. My issue with this power is that when it wears out, the bodies with the clothing switch as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, again, pretty far away from a unified theory of Sid. 
Uh, for Carrie slash Carrie, another mental ability, I think Carrie also f- or felt so responsible for his parents splitting up that he manifested a physical self that would have prevented his dad from leaving his mom. Hmm. This is how she lives within him and is able to age at a different rate. Um, Interesting. Regarding idea. regarding Sid, uh, one thing that we saw in this episode is she said that time the switch happened sooner. So that made it sound like at least she was sort of, you know, mentioning you can't really tell how long it's going to last. Well, I'll even go, I think the actual quote was, like, that at that time, like, she made it seem like the younger she was, she had less control or the power, the switch right. lasted oh. less. So, like, certainly I think it's still variable, and I don't think she has control over it, but control. it seems like she can do, it, it lasts longer now that she's matured. Uh, five, David, telekinetic and psychic abilities. He's able to teleport himself through the astral plane, twist and change the physical reality around him and others. I think what makes him unique is that while others just deal with mind control powers, David can actually make his thoughts into reality. All right. Some good theories. Maybe. Yep. Uh, we're moving on to, you know, Brian. what I what I would have said, Brian, but it's written here as brain, <laughs> so we're going to call him brain. Uh, brain, brain says, what, what do we do tonight? Brain, <laughs> right? Brain says, love the cast guys. We're going to take over the world. <laughs> I'm just going to read a bit of feedback and then probably close the podcast. Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, so brain says, love the cast guys. This is especially for Aaron. Once upon a time, I lived in Brooklyn above a Chinese restaurant. One day I went to get some bread out of the, out from a sealed factory issued plastic bag and realized to my horror, that mice or rats had eaten through the back of the plastic bag and deep into the loaf of bread. Ooh. After the first few slices, I saw a tunnel where they feast burrowed into the loaf, replete with telltale droppings, <laughs> because they apparently literally shit where they eat. It was a moment of pure horror. This all goes to explain why, for a time, I once owned a bread box. I also got a cat, mouse traps, and steel wool to stuff in all the visible crevices. I'm kind of a bitch when it comes to vermin. Anyway, I learned where I was um, that a bread box was not at all uncommon. Most bread boxes boast of two features, being sealed enough to keep out mice, yet open enough to keep moisture, thus mold out. Apparently, that's the point of bread box design from the beginning. I want to thank you, Brain, because this completely (laughs) solves all of my questions. Because, of course, of course, if you live in a place that has vermin problems, you would want to keep the soft tack under lock and key. Mm -hmm. Why didn't I think of that? It's not a freshness thing. It's 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 armor for your bread. This totally makes right. sense. Look uh look on iTunes this fall for Aaron's podcast. What the fuck bread box? <laughs> <laughs> or just like I, I just anything I don't understand. Like I'm sure like it's like you you ever go to like any specialized field and you pick up this tool and it's like what the hell does this thing do? Yeah. Why could you possibly need this? And then someone comes in and is like, well, that's the pull gears out of a transmission. Oh. Right. Yeah. But if you see someone with a bread box and they have anything else soft that isn't armored, then that's an inconsistency. Right. Do you have a cereal box box? <laughs> Do you have a Pop-Tart box box? Exactly. Oat Oatmeal weird cylinder box? Like all those things can just be, they just they might as well need- be, they're wet tissue pa- paper b- before the feast burrowing of a hungry rat. Uh, wow. All right. I appreciate that. All right. Thanks, Brain. And that's the end of the main part of this show. The rest is news and a bit about next week. It's a little bit more potentially spoilery than usual this time. But for now, if you want to get in touch, you can email us at legion at baldmove.com.
Or you can find us on the web at facebook.com slash legionpod. And be sure to check us out on all of our other shows at baldmove.com or podcastica.com. And that facebook.com slash legionpod, by the way, if you go on there and you comment, there's a chance it'll get read in case you guys didn't realize that. So it's facebook.com slash legionpod. All right, here comes some of the spoilery stuff. So if you don't like anything spoilery, you should probably just stop listening right now. Um, from Nerdist.com, they speculated that the yellow-eyed demon is actually the Shadow King. Well, they congr- congratulations! I, I had them yeah. scooped. <laughs> That's right. They they talk about it. They say in his first appearance in a 1979 issue of Uncanny X Men, the Shadow King manifested as the Egyptian telepath Amal Farouk Karan, the Thieves Syndicate in Cairo and who lost a duel against Professor X. As the character kept reappearing to possess the bodies of other mutants, it became clear that he was actually a darker, more nefarious entity, one that's existed on the astral plane since the dawn of time. Eventually, the Shadow King crossed paths with David Holler, a.k.a. Legion. Oh, this is the part that is going to be spoilery to you guys, and I think it's time to talk about it. So, is it okay? Okay. can, can can I take a guess? Yeah. Um, because this might even be a spoiler to you know, but um, I've heard in the last few weeks uh, that Legion is uh, turns out to be Professor X's bastard son. That's it. All right, all right. So, which is interesting that it was just revealed that uh, he was adopted. I wonder if that's a way for the show to leave the door open for Patrick Stewart to come on. Um. And that actually, I won't even finish that one because you get the idea. But the next item is Patrick Stewart was on the Late Late Show with James Corden to promote Logan. Have you guys, either one of you seen that? Yeah. Both I have, we, we both still have a, have a podcast review on uh, baldmove.com. I, I heard it was good. <laughs> it was very good. good it's, yeah, yeah okay. it's, the be- it's the best. Uh, it, it's, it's top three superhero film of all time, in my opinion. Sweet. Uh, do I get to mention one of my podcasts now? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, if you get so, off your ass and review Logan, maybe. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to on Under the Comic Covers. Okay, next. Uh, so he said that, you know, actually that, that Logan is probably going to be his last portrayal of Professor X. And then he kind of hedged it and said that he might appear in Deadpool. And then Dan Stevens, who plays David, just happened to be on the show at the same time promoting Legion. So he was sitting on the couch and he said, what about Professor X in Legion? And... uh explained that Professor X was his father. Corden asked, are you in? And he said, absolutely, 100%. So um, who I'm knows if he was if you ask nice, Patrick but... Stewart nicely enough that he will do anything. He just, yeah. he just seems like this great that accommodating kind of guy. guy. Yeah. That'd be really cool. I, I, I hope they do that. That'd be awesome. Why not? We can get, you can get McAvoy on there. It turns out that him and Oliver were swinging – Swinging bachelors back in this <laughs> until till Melanie tamed him. That's why he yeah, went to baby. lock himself in the ice cube. He just you know couldn't handle the married life. <laughs> and that's it for the news. Next week on Legion, chapter six. I wasn't sure if it was going to be you know continuing on in this mental institution for some reason, but I watched the teaser and it looks like it will. And they're all there, and uh, Lenny is the counselor, and they're talking about their problems. But it's also uh, surreal because there's a door in the hall that's not always there, and 
later, I think Sid's strapped to a table and David says to Lenny, what did you do to Sid? So I think Lenny's the bad guy in the episode. That's what I saw. Did you guys see anything else? No, that's what we saw too. Yeah, we actually got a preview this time, so that was nice. Um, yeah, that's why I was ex- excited because I I think that this kind of that that's going to be a much more psychologically intense episode, and hopefully, you know, that we only have three episodes left in this season. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like that there should be a, a lot of mom- the, a lot of momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, I so wait, wait. So you're saying this? You're hoping this episode will ha- give that momentum? Yeah, I feel like that this is going to be the pivot to like into late game, you know, late right. season, like in game kind of phase. Uh, I mm-hmm. saw an interesting theory that there's no real evidence. It's more of an idea on Reddit today. Um, do you want to? Is this the part of the podcast where we just talk about baseless uh, speculation? Yeah. All right, uh, that people got this idea that Sid is going to sacrifice herself. To save David towards the end of the, ep- the, the, the towards the end of the season, mm-hmm. and as a consequence, will be uh, lose her physical body. She's going to like switch bodies with him to spare him from some harm, and it's going to you know leave her psyche unmoored on the astral plane, and she'll continue as a kind of like an anti Lenny, like an angel on his shoulder type of character. Is it possible yeah. that she's already done that? Because where we leave her, she's kind of in a hail of gunfire. Protecting True. David, right? But she was right. in front of David. I, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, because, like, I don't. The the white room doesn't yeah. necessarily <laughs> that that it might, it might stop because you know, right. You were, I have no idea how this works. You're saying well, it doesn't stop time. Like, well, I guess it no. could. Like uh-huh. it could. Like, I mean, you know, we saw her sitting on the dock, smiling mm-hmm. at the beginning of the episode when she was there. So mm-hmm. I, my, yeah, that was my thought. Like, I don't think that's going to protect them. Yeah, or at least like when she comes out of it, the bullets are still moving, right? Like, but the this is the 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 one evidence they cited as possible foreshadowing was earlier when they're talking about swapping bodies. She says, "You know, my body. I don't think I don't feel like my body even even belongs to me. And it's not that important because right. to me, it's it's what goes on in the mind and it's the spirit." Mm. Um, and that's kind of like on a foreshadowing her selflessness and sacrificing that, and then living inside David's mind essentially the rest of this episode. This she can series. just go into Carrie. Series. <laughs> just come on, there's plenty of space Everybody. in there. Well, maybe maybe other other Carrie will die, and she, he'll have his couch open. But he's like, come on, you know, it's available. I mean, if you can fit tanks in there, you can get a futon, <laughs> right? Can you fit in all that ass? No. Um, yeah, I, I think i i like that theory i like it yeah I, I like it too yeah and i think uh yeah he can be like a psychic hotel and have a whole bunch of characters in there that live on in the series even though their physical mm-hmm. bodies are gone do you i mean cause let's let's talk about this now too what what do you guys see as for a season two like i <sighs> i kind of feel like this is all set up to be a one shot that you're either going right. to defeat the, the the this uh shadow king character or you're not mm-hmm but like, if you defeat him, or you you know, like this is this is inside the hero. Like, what what do you do with that going forward? I'm I'm sure they have think, plans, but yeah, I mean, I think Noah Hawley has had a lot of fun exploring all the different implications of these powers, and I feel like we're still just tapping into what David can do. Well, maybe not just tapping in, but we're you know not all the way in there. So I think that as we uh, it's more about the nature of his powers is revealed that that'll give him more fodder, but that's really vague. Like, I don't know what that means. I just think that there's right. room left for him to find a 
creative space to play in with it all. Maybe so. I like the most boring of the possibilities here to me is that this show pivots into like a standard superhero type fight, right. fight against other mutants sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see that. No, no, not at all. But on the other hand, it can't just be them squaring off against the shadow King that lives inside David's head for five seasons. Yeah. Like, um, or however many seasons they're going to go. Yeah. It just seems like that's, that's a limiting. Cause you know, that's, I guess that's the thing I've always understood about Legion in the comics that he's more or less the bad guy. Um, he plays more. He's of a, the dangerous a, a, guy. A, a, I would a say. Oh, yeah. really? Mm. Okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's like he is in the show. He's sort of uh, unmoored. And so if you're around him, you might be in danger, but it might not completely be his fault. You know, I don't know why I dismiss out of hand that a person's internal struggle with something inside him would be boring because they got six seasons out of Breaking Bad. And that's essentially one man's war against <laughs> his own ambition and his greed and ego. capacity for, for violence. So that was super entertaining. New Better Call Saul teaser today. I have I saw I that it released, but just like Pretty I was cool. wait I was waiting for the the ice block to melt for Game of Thrones. And I didn't get to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I right. think it's almost melted. <laughs> it's done. Yeah, I saw the release date. Uh, oh really? Yeah. What is it? July sixteenth. Announce it. Oh, nice. I'm 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 lost the office pool. I had July 9th. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we're good to wrap it up. Right. Yep. yep. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody listening. We will see you next week. See ya.